Well, the Lord comes to Joshua and says, you're old and advanced in years. And it's not quite the pep talk I think Joshua was ex- expecting to hear. It's not like you all did a great job. You know, you just conquered the, the middle and the southern and northern parts of the promised land. It's to bring Joshua back to reality. And, and one thing we can take just from that simple statement by God there in verse 1 is God's word calls it as it is. God's word will never try to avoid a conversation or avoid a point. And it may not be one of those things that we always want to hear. It may not be something that, that we feel is, is lifting us up in that moment. But God's word is always going to tell us truth. It is always going to call out sin for sin, and it's going to call out truth for truth. And we can rest assured every time we open the Word of God, we're going to find truth in it every time. It may not be exactly what we want to hear. It may be something hard for us to digest or even understand, but God is never, ever, ever going to try to pull one over on you. He is never going to try to pat your back and make you feel better for something that He's trying to transform you out of. Now he comes to give us words of reassurance and words of peace and strength and encouragement. But at the same time, God sometimes has to come in our life and just say how it is. This is what's going on. We may not know for sure exactly how old Joshua is in chapter 13. But by chapter 24, we're told when he passes, he's 110 years old. And since this is kind of nearing the end of Joshua's tenure of leadership, we wouldn't be wrong in assuming he's somewhere pretty close to that age, if not that age. So when God says, look, Joshua, you're old, you're old, and you're advanced in years, he's not understating anything. He's just calling it as as it is. And Jesus does this in his own ministry, something that a lot of people still struggle with with Christianity Jesus' one statement in John chapter 14, verse 6 says, Look, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's a pretty blunt, bold statement that a lot of people struggle with. But again, God's not going to hide anything. Jesus is saying, you, you can't find truth anywhere else. You can't find a way to God anywhere else. You can't find life anywhere else. And you can't get to heaven unless it is through me. Peter took that same format in Acts chapter 4 when he addressed a large crowd in Jerusalem. He said, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Paul uses the same format in all of his letters, but in particularly Romans. In chapter 3 where he says, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands God, no one seeks God, no one does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we live in a world where you can find people to tell you what you want to hear. You can find people to say what you want to say. Matter of fact, that's probably a lot of our peer group. We get around people that we tend to like, and and we don't necessarily always want Captain Obvious in the group, right? But we get in that situation, and we begin to have that our source of information, I don't know what your media source or news source is. You may be a CNN, CNBC, Fox News, PBS. I don't know where you get it, but you need to understand no matter what news source you get and what's going on in the world, it is flawed by sin. And that news is being interpreted by sinful individuals. God is not. 
He is perfect. And His Word interprets everything going on in our day exactly the way it needs to be interpreted. And there are going to be people who don't like to hear it. Sometimes God is so obvious because truth has to be. It has to open our eyes to see it. You may be here this morning and you need to hear the words of Jesus and Peter and Paul. You cannot earn work or be good enough to get into heaven. You can't. You can't go to church. Matter of fact, when, when we stand before God and everyone, whether they're a believer or not, is going to stand before God one day, He is not going to ask you, so what church did you attend? He is not going to ask you if your name is on a membership roll. Matter of fact, the scripture lets us know God's not going to ask anything when that moment comes. He is going to state the truth. He either knew you as his child or he didn't. And so Jesus states the truth. The only way to God is through me. It's by accepting Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, by accepting God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, and by claiming him as our Lord and Savior of our own. The other part of verse, thir verse, 13, or verse 1 in chapter 13 is not only is Joshua old and advanced in years, but the Lord tells Joshua, there remains yet very much land to possess. Now, up to this point, man, God's been like, you know, it's all right, Joshua, I'm with you, I'm going to fight for you, you know, be strong and courageous, don't be afraid of them. But then there's this shift in chapter 13. Look, Joshua, you've done a lot of good things, but the job is not done yet. Israel had a near perfect record up to chapter 13. They only suffered one loss and that was at the hands of I, but the job was not complete. And so if you read on in, in chapters 13 through 21, which actually is the largest section of the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua isn't just about the crossing of the Red Sea or, the, or Jericho or things like that. The book of Joshua is about God's people coming into God's land, into God's promise, and receiving that gift of that promise. And so the bulk of the book is actually about this inheritance of land and allotment of land that we kind of skip over a lot. But there's a lot of problems. And so God actually says it kind of nice here in verses 1 through 6. But he lets Joshua know that there's problems with the Philistines and the Geshurites and the Amorites and the Gebelites and the Lebanese and the Sidonians. Sidonians. And I imagine as Joshua has just had these victories and just seen what God would do through his people, and he's hearing God say, you are old, you are advanced in years, and there's still a lot of work to be done. Can you imagine Joshua's morale at that moment? Gee, thanks, God. But God had to remind Joshua the job is not done yet. And I think we all understand that. If you own a house... If you have kids, if you have stuff, you can understand this. That there's always work to be done. Amen? Mmm. That, that's Baptist amen. Mmm. We, we moved in to Stratford uh, almost three years ago in, into the house we live right now. And as we found this house where God led us to this house and he gave us this house to live in, and we were really excited because in the backyard when we got there, there was this little fish pond. And someone put a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and money into this fish pond. I mean, it had rocks stacked perfectly. It wasn't like you could, you could actually stand on the rocks and they wouldn't move. I mean, but they weren't like cemented together. It was, it was amazing. 
And so we're like, this is so cool. My, my mom is going to be so jealous because my mom always loves to put fish ponds in her backyard for some reason. And it had like a waterfall going down. So when you open up the windows like on, on nights like last night and you could hear that and it's just like, oh, it's so soothing. I didn't need like the machine to make the water noises. I could just, ah, oh, that's so nice. Of course, then you had to go to the bathroom a lot too, but that was, that was different. But it would go down and in the middle of this fish pond, it was about four to four and a half feet deep at the center. And, and it already had fish in it. And so they're like, they were like somewhere this huge, I called them goldfish, but I'm sure Jamie said there was something else. And we, koi, yeah, yeah, that's probably right. But so we would just go out there and we would just kind of enjoy that little area. Well, shortly about a year or so after living there, the pond began to take on issues. And the water started going places we did not want it to go. And fish started dying at a rapid race. Uh, and so we, we, something had to be done. And so I tried what I could do to fix it. And I am not like a fixer of things. You know, God has not called me to be a fixer of, of stuff. I can help people with a relationship with God, but stuff is a different thing. And so I tried to fix it and I made it worse. We lost all the fish in a matter of a day. And so I was like, okay, I, I'm not, I don't want to like, get all the water out and then find what's going on and then refill it with water and then try to find new fish and hope they live. We've always wanted a fire pit in our yard, so let's, let's do the fire pit. And so I called Richard up and said, hey, you know where I can get some dirt? And Richard's like, yeah, I can bring some dirt over. And so I got everything moved out of the way and, and Richard helped me with some dirt and we filled this thing up and, and then I put some of the rocks back on it and I thought this is going to be an awesome fire pit. Of course, I was thinking, you know, it's going to be done like in a day or two. And, um, and that didn't work. It, we've been there for almost three years. We still don't have a fire pit. Um, matter of fact, last weekend, I, I was so convinced, you know, Friday, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to start working. I'm going to get things so it's ready so we can move forward and have this. Because our kids talk about, oh, I can't wait till we have a fire pit. And it's kind of one of those things. Um, so I spent all day Friday, because that's kind of one of my days off, just messing with the backyard and pulling stuff and trimming stuff and moving stuff and, and filling stuff up and and. And by the end of the day, I felt old and advanced in years, and, and I was tired. And Jamie comes home, and her Captain Obvious voice says, Oh, that looks really nice, but you should probably do something with the back part of the fence. And I was like, Ah. And so Saturday, I did the same thing, and, and my back started feeling sore again. And she's like, Well, you know, you're getting old. And, um, but I still look out there, and I still do not have a place to put the fire. I have the fire pit. I bought that like three years ago. I have the chairs to go with the fire pit. I even have wood to go in the fire pit, and I can picture it in my head, but I still, we still don't have a fire pit or house because there's so much work to be done. And even though we get closer and closer, there's so much work to be done. That's our life, guys. We are never fully done until we see Jesus Christ face to face. There's so much work to be done in our life. And so you may struggle with sin, you may struggle with some sort of habit you're trying to kick or some sort of addiction, but you know God is still doing a good work in you. He's still getting you to that place where He needs you to be. And you understand this concept. And have you ever tried, if you have kids, you ever cleaned out like your kid's room? And you feel accomplished, and then you realize, oh yeah, there's still the closet. <laughs> there's still the dresser. You know, Jamie spent hours yesterday cleaning out Abishman. We came out with four bags of things to throw away. This is not stuff we could give to Goodwill or even put in the yard. This was four bags of trash to throw away out of Abby's room. She's over there laughing about it. 
And, and Jamie felt really calm. Her room looked great. And then we opened up Abby's desk drawers and we're like, ah, oh, there's more work to be done. And that's our life. We have these spiritual moments where we get so close and we experience the presence of God. We get on this mountaintop experience and we're like, yes, yes, I see something clearly, finally. And then God has to remind us, look, there's still land to be taken in your heart. You're still not yet fully devoted to me. But what I love also about this statement, if you jump down to verse 6 in chapter 3, God says the end of verse 6 is, I myself will drive them out before the people of Israel. And so God gives Joshua permission to allot the land to Israel for an inheritance. This work for Joshua God came to him and said, there's still work to be done, but God wasn't going to put all of it on Joshua. And God doesn't put it all on us. God reminds Joshua, I myself will drive them out from the land before the people. Joshua is old. The land still had some work to be done. But this is God's word of relief. God was going to drive them out. It also introduces a problem because you read through chapters 13 through 21, you see that the Israelites were unable to drive out several people. And we're going to deal with that next week. So that's kind of your preview for next week. We're going to come back and deal with. But for right now, God was reminding Joshua that the work still to be done. God is not calling him to do it all himself. And I think we need that reminder as well, because up to this point, every time Israel met victory is because Joshua and all Israel with him. God is not calling you. God is not calling me to do all the work. He's called us to come together to do the work. And I think in the church, particularly in America, we have this strange, unhealthy view of how the church should work. See, God does not call a pastor. He does not set elders or staff in, in place at a church so that they can do all the work of the church. The elders and the pastor are meant to feed, lead, and train the people of God so they can grow in their relationship with God and become enabled and empowered more to do the work of the church. But a lot of churches, we to the point where we see a ministry that, needs, that has a need, and we think we need to hire somebody to fill that need. But that's not the biblical basis. The biblical basis is that we have leaders in the church and we have staff in the church, and then God's people rally around the Word of God and hear the Word of God, which sometimes introduces new work, but then all of God's people do the work together. This church will be successful based upon the work of God's people working together. Jason's our youth pastor, but God has not called Jason to be the youth pastor at Harvest Hill, so Jason does all the work of the youth ministry. He needs help. The same goes with Melody with children's ministry. Same goes with Jackson in worship ministry. They need our help that we rally behind them. God comes to Joshua and says, look, there's work to be done, but I'm not expecting you or calling you to do it all. Because what Scripture reveals is that everyone who is a child of God has been gifted by God to be a part of God's work. And so the final thing I want us to see this morning is with this calling in verse, or chapter 13, verse 1 and 6, is that Joshua's time is coming to an end. But the work of God continues. 
And I think we need this reminder this morning that being in God's promise doesn't end, but it begins the work. Our salvation is possible because God did the work through Jesus Christ, through His life, death, and resurrection. But when we accept God's forgiveness, when we claim our salvation in Jesus Christ alone, and we are given that gift, what God does through His Scripture is He empowers and enables us for Christ to work through us in the ministry by empowering us with His Holy Spirit. And while God is doing all this, while He completed the work, empowers and enables us, God continues to do the work in us. And so there's this multi-thing going on, and a lot of Christians, I think, get stale in their relationship with God because they're growing, but they're not allowing God to use them in the work or ministry of the church. The Bible says in Philippians 1, verse 6, Paul writes to the believers, says, I'm sure of this, I mean, I am confident that He, being God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion. And this is what God is doing in us, is that we have come to know Him as our Lord and Savior. We have come to confess Him as, as the one who died for our sins and rose again, that we might be completely forgiven. We become a child of God, an heir to the eternal kingdom of God. And God says, look, that's just the beginning. That's just the start. I want to continue to do a good work in you and through you. And so Joshua has this reminder that you've done all this work, but the work goes on. And we need that reminder as well that God has done all this work for us, but God wants to continue to do the work in us. And that means we can't be spiritually lazy about our pursuit after God. How this happened in my life, I don't know how this happened in your life, but this is how it played out in my life. I was saved at a very young age. Um, probably about five or six years of, of age, and I grew up in a church. My dad was a pastor, and so, you know, I was just calling, always around that and had, always had that conversation going on. And when I was saved, you know, one thing I got into, and I was into before I got saved, but even more so, was Sunday school. You all remember that term, Sunday school? We call it Bible study now, or, you know, home groups, or small groups, or whatever the cool term is, but it's, it's still Sunday school. And so I was in Sunday school where other people were pouring in the Word of God into my life. And that's something we need for God to continue to do the good work in us. Someone pouring in the Word of God, His truth, things that are sometimes blunt and hard to hear. But we need that so God can transform us in what the Scriptures call sanctify us, set us apart from this world. And so I had that part of my life where someone was pouring in. And then, like many of you, I had my rebellious years, my prodigal years, where I kind of you know, fell away from the church. But there were still people praying for me and reaching out, for, out to me and asking me to, to come back and be at the church and to go to these events and all these things. And so God got a hold of my heart again. And that time, it was, it was my decision for sure. I was about 19 years of age, and I decided, you know what, I'm all in on this thing. I'm not going to play this game anymore. That doesn't mean I always did it right. That doesn't mean there's things in my life, if you knew they were going on in my life and things I struggle with, that wouldn't disappoint you. You know, I fall short just as, just as much as you do. But when I decided I'm all in on this thing, 
I began gathering people who were deeper in the relationship with God and asking them to come along my life and to mentor me and disciple me because I wanted to grow. I wanted to know more about this God that loved me so much that we sang songs about and I wanted to deeper into the Word of God. So they introduced me to writers and conferences and preachers and things like that so I could just get more into God's Word. And you know what happened? When I got more into God's Word, when I understood how much God loved me more than just some concept that I sang about or some verse I rattled off. I found myself volunteering to be involved at the church. Church cleanup day. Psh, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. VBS? Sure, sign me up. I love kids. Not really, but I, uh, I love my kids. Don't want them to mishear that. I love you. But yeah, I'll hang out with kids for a week. I'll teach them. I'll move them from place to place. And so just things I started getting involved with that, that I think sometimes we look, that's so small, that's so little. That's not like the big picture. And I think we do that when we think of nursery. I volunteered in the nursery before. I've changed diapers at church. I've changed other kids' diapers that aren't my kids. And that's, as a, as a, a man, that is so weird to even confess to you. But I've been in the nursery. I've I've volunteered in different things that, that the only reason I did that is because I understood how much God loved me and there's nothing I could do to repay that. But I wanted to be involved in what he was doing. And I think we hear nursery and children's church because a lot of times we think, oh, that's just the babysitting portion of the church. But you understand you have a double impact in the kingdom of God when you do those ministries. When you're involved in nursery when you're involved in children's church, you are enabling younger families who have younger kids to be in worship, to maybe catch their breath, but to have the Word of God poured into them. You're not only loving on these kids, you're allowing families to be able to grow in their relationship with God so when they go back home throughout the week, they can love on their kids through the Word of God that they heard on Sunday morning, simply because you decide, you know what, I'm going to be in the nursery for about an hour or so on Sunday morning. I'm going to help out with children's church for about an hour or so. We're not asking you to adopt the kids and take them home. We're just asking you to love on the kids and at the same time love on those families. And what that does, what children's church does and Wednesday Night Live does, it in it prepares our student ministry so when Jason gets these kids to come into student ministry, he doesn't have to go back to the foundational elements of Christianity, but he, they've already been taught and trained in the Word of God. By the time they read the student ministry, he can get into the deeper things of God, which in turn impacts our worship as maybe you known as big church. Remember, remember calling this big church? That's big church. But it impacts our worship and our ability to into the Word of God. You see, it's all connected. But God isn't calling one person to do it all. And He's not calling you to have your life all together. But He wants us to understand this is all connected. And the deeper I get in my relationship with God, the more I want to get connected in what God is doing. That's how it happened with me. Started volunteering, led to preaching at Youth revival weekends called Disciple Nows led to interim youth pastor, led to full-time youth ministry, led to pastorate. And I'm not saying God's calling you to the ministry. But He is calling you to be a part of His ministry and what He is doing.
Are you connected? Probably the biggest flaw in Joshua's ministry as leader was not lining up a successor. You don't believe me? Just go start reading the first couple chapters of Judges. We are preparing the next generation for the ministry that lies ahead that some of us are going to experience and some of us aren't going to experience, but we are either preparing them for success or failure by the way we are pouring into them right now. So if we understand as a church, our success for a church as Harvest Hill for the future is determined by how successful we're being in the ministry right now. Are you connected? And here's the beauty of it. God's not calling you to do everything. Just something. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you know what? God is giving you gifts and passions and ideas that I can't have. But God's placed them on your heart and a burden on your heart for something that that we can do to bring him glory. Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years, buddy, and there remains you have very much land to possess. Man, Joshua was a great guy, but he had his failures. He had his sins just like us. But the end of Joshua ends with him dying. And it's just a reminder that no matter how great we are in this life, no matter how much we accomplish. I mean, think of what Joshua did in the last seven years. This life will eventually end. And that's an obvious statement, and sometimes it's a blunt, blunt statement, but it's meant to be an up, uplifting statement as well. The best day on this planet won't even compare. It won't be a worse day, but won't compare with any days there. This life will eventually end. Uh, little Maddie, that uh, blunt, obvious, great-grandma, had a lot of spunk, had a lot of fight in her. By the way, um, she eventually loved me very much. I got that woman to give me hugs every Sunday. <laughs> Maddie would volunteer every year to go on a mission trip to one of our universities here in Missouri, uh, Baptist Universities, Missouri, and Maddie couldn't do laborious work. She wasn't, you know, really about that tall. But she would go and she would volunteer to do what she could do. And Maddie loved to quilt and loved to sew. And so she would just go and sit in a room with maybe one or two other ladies while other people were doing carpentry stuff and hanging drywall and, you know, doing wiring, all this stuff that, you know, us men were like, oh, yeah, oh, fire. Um, Maddie would just sit in this room and she would just be... I don't know what you do with those things. Knit. Pressing the pedal on the sewing thing. Just making hats and mittens and warm socks for kids who lived in that area that wouldn't have hats or mittens or warm socks when winter would come. And she would just do that for a whole week. 
because she wanted to make an impact not just at the university but in that community and so it enabled that university to begin loving on people within that community um, and not just the students on that campus and she would do that faithfully year after year after year after year um, about two years ago three years ago I guess four years ago <laughs> yeah that's right Maddie went on our last mission trip and it was a year they were doing a whole bunch of drywall work and a whole bunch of uh, stuff so there's a lot of dust and, and things in the air and and she just she sat in her room just and she always tell me well, no one else from our church goes so I better you know that's just Maddie <laughs> and she just sit in that room well something in the air just launched issues in her lungs and she she never bounced back from that she got really sick and just constantly coughing and things like that I share that with you because Maddie served her entire life anybody and everybody and sometimes it wasn't always the way people thought it should be done or the way it should be said you did not dance in church if Maddie was around by the way but I found it so cool that Maddie had been serving the Lord so long and just volunteering at camps and things like that that she actually served at a camp where my dad was the pastor of that camp for one week. And now, 35, 40 years later, here she is still serving alongside his son. Just 30, 40 years of serving, just going sometimes when no one else would go and no one else wanted to do it, but she would just do it. And, and I know today, because eventually her lungs gave out and her body just got too weak, but I know for sure today she is with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in heaven. And Maddie was a great person. She had a great heart if you could get through that bluntness but it doesn't matter how great or how good you are in this room eventually this life will end it doesn't matter how much you serve how much money you give or how much stuff you have eventually your life will end and I say this in the most obvious bluntest loving way that you are here today because God doesn't want your life to end when your days are over here. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a life that we couldn't. He died a death that we couldn't. They placed Him in a tomb and He rose from that grave. And the Bible says, I don't have to understand all the theological things about that, but if I understand that there is a God, and I understand that story has truth and I understand that I need that the Bible says when I believe that in my heart and confess with my mouth I will be saved so I don't know where everybody is this morning but it may just come down to that you need to admit that you're a sinner before a holy God but you believe God loves you and he demonstrated that through Jesus Christ and so my question to you is are you willing to come down and let it be known to me I think you say Pastor Mike I want to be saved I want to be forgiven I want the gift of eternal life. I'm going to ask Kevin to come on up and get ready to lead us in a time of invitation.
Maybe you're here this morning, you've already made that statement of faith. But you know that you're not really doing anything with it besides coming to church on Sunday. And I'm glad you're here. I'm so thankful that you're here. We gather in the name of Jesus. We know he's here. But God wants to use you so much more than that. And I know it's scary. I know sometimes it seems irrelevant or so small. But the reality is when we allow God to use us, we grow in ways we never thought we could. And so maybe you need to come before the Father and just kneel before him and say, God, just show me where you want me to be used. I'm, I'm willing I want to be like the prophet and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Would you be willing to open your life up to that sort of ministry? I know that it's fear, but that's not from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. This is time of invitation. I'm going to invite you to come. You can come talk to me if you want. If you just come and kneel before the Father, that's great too. But if you need Jesus, I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to be standing here. If you don't want to talk to me, we got a really cool youth guy named Jason. He's going to be standing over here. We saw Foo Fighters this weekend. I mean, how cool is that? You want to talk to him? That's fine. I won't be insulted. We're going to be down here for that purpose. If you need Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, we invite you to come. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for loving us. You are good. You are great. Thank you that you have done all the work. And you've invited us to be a part of what you've already been doing. Forgive us, Lord, if we haven't. Forgive us, Lord, if we've given you excuses. Thank your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your faithfulness. But I pray for those here this morning that don't know you're Lord and Savior. Your Holy Spirit is the only thing that can reveal that to them. That they would feel such conviction in their heart that they cannot stay where they are. Above all else, Lord, I ask that you alone be glorified in this time. Praise all in the name of Jesus. I invite you to stand, I invite you to go.